You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good, I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only. On 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It is holiday weekend, and Speedy will be off to Maine, and I will be off to Florida. Your favorite state. Oh, yes. Loving it. (laughs) As everybody knows, it's not my favorite state. It's not a state that I really like to go and visit. So, actually helping my girlfriend out, me and my girl will be driving her sister out to Florida, where she is moving, and we will fly back here at the end of next week. Very excited. A little uh, vacation. Not in a place that I'm going to enjoy, but I'll try to make everything better than it would look. But anyway. Not your type of weather down there, that's for sure. No, I don't like the humidity, and it's it's supposed to be raining all week, so that's not a good sign. To go somewhere where it's going to be raining every single day, it's not something that I'm looking forward to, but hopefully it's not as bad as the weather shows you to be, so I don't know. Anyways, we have a great show lined up for you guys tonight. The return, yes, of Moneyline Mania. Chaz and the crew will be joining us worldwide West. We have West back. And also, we're going to have a very special guest. We will be talking to former NFL, CFL wide receiver and kick returner, Stefan Logan. We're going to get into the NHL playoffs, the New York Rangers. Down three to two. What do they got to do for game number six? Going back to Madison Square Garden to knock off the Carolina Hurricanes. St. Louis versus the great and powerful Avalanche. The Florida Panthers get eliminated by, yes, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who is now going to their third straight Eastern Conference championship. And they have a chance to win back-to-back-to-back championships. Could you imagine that? They will be the first team to ever do that since the New York Islanders. I don't know if that's going to happen. they got to get through whoever they have to play in the Eastern Conference Finals. And if they do that, they go to the Stanley Cup. And uh, who knows what could happen. That team could be compared to some of the best dynasties of all time. They really have great goaltender and Vasilovsky and Stamkos and Braden Point. They're, they're a great team. They're built very well. Thank you, Stevie I. But Stevie I is now with Detroit. We will get into the NHL playoffs and what the New York Rangers have to do to get out of this series with the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll get into the NBA. NBA playoffs as well. Crazy stuff going on with the Celtics against the Miami Heater. And it looks like Golden State is going to another NBA championship. And I am not excited about that. And neither is Kevin Durant. We'll get into Kevin Durant too. Why would Kevin Durant be happy? I mean, he leaves Golden State. He goes to Brooklyn. Uh, He has to play with the big mouth Kyrie Irving. And now he's sitting there. He doesn't even know who he's going to be playing for next year because it seems like they're having a lot of problems right now when it comes to management over there. And Kyrie Irving wants a max deal. That doesn't seem like it's going to happen. We will get into some baseball as Max Scherzer will be sitting for about eight weeks, two months. 
Jacob DeGrom is on pace to be back sometime in mid-June. So that's a good sign for the New York Mets if, if he can come back healthy. We'll get into the Yankees uh, as they're the hottest team in baseball. They're the first team to win 30 games this year, and they look like the first team to go 20 games over 500. It's an amazing feat what the Yankees are doing right now. And so far, the Yankees have not shown any weakness in this lineup, any weakness in this rotation, which everybody thought going into the season was definitely a weak part of their whole team. We'll have Stefan Logan. We'll have Moneyline Mania. We'll have Crunch Time. And we will get into some football conversation. The Arizona Cardinals win the bend to be in hard knocks for the regular season. That'll be interesting for the whole season. Jeff, we'll Jeff will get that. to watch Zayvon Collins on HBO. Why not? And I mean, <laughs> Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown, his best friend, Hollywood, will be Hollywooding over there in Arizona. So maybe he could build himself a shed or something. And obviously, DeAndre Hopkins will be out for six weeks. So that'll be interesting as well when he comes back and how big of a man he could be this year coming back from P.E.D. And does that affect him going to the Hall of Fame? That'll be interesting as well. So anyways, why don't we get into some hockey conversation? And I will say this. Everybody that listens to this show, everybody that listens to the Sports Loud Mouths knows that I do not like the New York Rangers. I'm not going to attack the organization as a whole because I know Chris Drury. We played hockey together when we were kids. I think that this team has been run very, very well this year. But to me, the fans have been a burden all these years as a New York Islander fan. I've been to Madison Square Garden. I've been to Ranger and Islander games. And that's why I don't go to Madison Square Garden anymore for Ranger and Islander games. I wouldn't even go to a Ranger game if you paid me. Because the Ranger fans are so nasty, so deliberately crazy. And for some reason, they just can't stand Islander fans. Now, I'm not saying Islander fans don't like Ranger fans, because that would be a lie. But at least if you go to a Ranger Islander game in Nassau Coliseum, which me and my friend Mike, a.k.a. The Beave, were there about two years ago after he lost his car, and that's a whole nother story. Yep. The fans were playing around with him, but they didn't pick on him. They didn't throw things at him. Ranger fans are different. So, going into this series, and really going into the playoffs, you hear Ranger fans saying, well, the Islanders are there. Even though the last two years they've been back-to-back Eastern Conference championships against those Tampa Bay Lightning. Couldn't get over the hump last year because of a shorthanded goal. And who knows, if they beat Tampa, they probably win the Stanley Cup, and we wouldn't hear it from Ranger fans. But Ranger fans think that the end of the reign of Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz, which Barry Trotz is gone now, of this competitive Eastern Conference championship role, I don't believe that is. I think the Islanders have built very well. They've got some good young pieces. They finally have a goalie, but we're not talking about the Islanders. This series has been very interesting because after what we saw with the Pittsburgh Penguins, I didn't think that the Rangers had a chance against this Carolina Hurricane team. Gerard Gallant has been an absolute dream for the second round for the New York Rangers. And I mean dream because what we saw in the first round was a nightmare. And what we have seen in the second round from Gerard Gallant is a dream because they're actually playing great team defense. They're shutting down one of the more dominant offensive teams throughout the regular season. I would say the Hurricanes are a much better built team. The Rangers have the better goalie. And the Rangers have been very lucky the last two rounds. They played a third-string goalie against the Pittsburgh Penguins in Domingue. And now they're playing Antiranta, who is a second-string goaltender. In certain places, he'd be a third-string goalie. Has he played well in this series? No. Did he play well in the Boston series? Yes. Carolina has been having problems scoring goals in this series. And in game number five, at home, they needed to show up. They scored a shorthanded goal. They got the early lead. And slowly but surely, they put pressure on Shesterkin, something they haven't done all series long. Maybe because of Miller, Schneider, 
the young defensemen that the Rangers have played this year. They have arguably one of the top three, top four young defensemen in the NHL. But this series really has been dominated by the New York Rangers, not the Carolina Hurricanes. And even though Carolina's up 3-2, to two, if the Rangers could somehow pull this win off in game number six against the Carolina Hurricanes in Madison Square Garden, who do you think the pressure's on, Speedy? The Hurricanes, because the Rangers, this was their peak. This is where they were kind of supposed to be when the playoffs started, and way exceeding expectations for when the season started. A lot of people thought they might make the playoffs as a lower seed, and them being a two-seed and really chasing the Hurricanes for the division title for much of the season until the last two weeks of the year. So definitely all the pressure on them. In terms of the way the series has gone, I think the Rangers' team defense has been very good, especially the young players. Keandre Miller, Braden Schneider have been two of the best defenders in this series. Adam Fox has looked very good as well. Ryan Lindgren still coming back from that injury has been kind of up and down but still good. It's just really if the veterans can start stepping up that would be helpful but the team defense as a whole has been very good. Not a lot of shots on goal against Shesterkin and not a lot of high quality chances like you saw the Penguins got. The Hurricanes got some good passing sequences on their goals in game five but that was really the first time you really saw that kind of thing and game three he allowed the one goal, fluky backhand goal and then after that made 43 saves. He was brilliant and that. It's just Sturkin. Game one and game two, they didn't allow a lot of shots on goal. They lost those games because of offense, not because of defense. Their defense has played very well. And in game five, I thought their offense actually played well too. Carolina was just swarming and blocking shots, diving in and making plays. And they did a very good job. I credit that more to their defense more than the Rangers' offense. They were passing the puck very nicely. But the kids have been playing well. And that's the biggest takeaway, win or loss in this series. The young defensemen, the kid line, a lot of the younger trade deadline acquisitions, they've played the best so far. And no matter how this series goes, that's a good sign for the Rangers' future when it comes to growing as a team. What we have seen so far with the New York Rangers is we've seen the kid line really establish themselves. Capococco, who's going to be a free agent in this offseason, do the Rangers extend him? Does he go somewhere else? I think he's proven himself where the Rangers could give him $3 million a year. Maybe they give him two and a half, assign him to a three-, four-year deal, see how he develops with Lafanier. The Rangers as a whole, they're one of the youngest teams in the NHL. They're the youngest team still in the NHL playoffs. And you're seeing some of these young players, these young kids develop right in front of your eyes. And as a Ranger fan, you should be excited because even though they have the likes of Panarin and Zabinajad and Truba and all the other Kreider, guys that they yeah. have in Kreider, these guys are not the future. The future is Schneider, Miller, Fox, Lafanier, Capococco, Shesterkin. These guys are the future of the New York Rangers organization if they have any chance of winning a Stanley Cup like they did in 1994. If you look at the Rangers right now, if you're a Ranger fan, you should be excited. Now, attacking the Islander fans because the Islanders aren't there, and I hope they're having a good time golfing, it really doesn't matter. I don't know why this is back and forth pandemonium on the Islanders. The Islanders right now are sitting home. Is it going to be the same Islander team next year? I don't know. They have a new coach, Lane Lambert, and we'll see what he does with a new season, with a new roster, maybe a couple of new offensive pieces, maybe some of the youngsters that they have in their farm system. But the Rangers are positioned very, very well, as young and as talented as they are. I expect them to be as good next year with Gerard Gallant. Now, Gerard Gallant is going to have to take this team to that next level. He has never won a Stanley Cup. So that is his goal, is winning Lord Stanley's Cup with a young New York Ranger team. Maybe they get lucky. Maybe they get out of this round against Carolina. Maybe they shock the world and knock off Tampa, and they go to the Stanley That'd Cup. crazy. <laughs> Anything's possible. Yeah. We've seen crazier things in NHL Yeah, I guess history. if Montreal could make it last year, anything's possible at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And Montreal didn't play very well. But <laughs> no, they're the number one pick in the draft. I can't believe that. They went from the Stanley Cup finals to the number one pick in the draft. Greatest fluke in sports history. It is crazy, man. They're going to get a pretty good player at yeah. number one. We'll see where Montreal is going to be next year. There's a lot of teams that didn't make the playoffs this year that I expect to be much better next year. So if you're a Ranger fan, you should be proud of your team. I'll tell you a team that you shouldn't be proud of right now, and that's the Florida Panthers. <laughs> a team that won the President Trophy this year. They made the trade for Claude Giroux, and it just didn't work. None of it worked. They played a very hot Tampa Bay Lightning team without Braden Point. Crazy to say that. And they swept them. They swept a good team, a very good goaltender, and Babarotsky, one of the best offensive teams in the NHL, one of the best young offensive teams in the NHL. The system works, and it's still showing, even though they lost a lot of the third-line pieces that they had from their original kid line in 2015. They lost a lot of those pieces, and they bring in veterans, and those are the guys that have been scoring a lot of the goals. Guys like Ross Colton. They brought in Corey Perry on a one-year deal. He's been scoring goals. It's not as much the stars that were going off in that series. And that's a big problem for Florida. It just shows they didn't have the defensive depth. And Bobrovsky had some bad goals a lot. I don't think he played that bad. But Tampa's still got that grit, and that system works. Absolutely. And how about the Calgary Flames getting eliminated by the Edmonton Oilers? Who would have thought that Edmonton would be the first team out of the Western Conference going to the Western Conference Finals. I had Flames in five. It turned out to be the other way around. <laughs> I will say this. Vander Kane has been sensational in this series. He's been the best player in this playoff. And I see why Edmonton went after him when he became available off a waiver after being suspended for betting on hockey. He has won himself a lot of money this offseason because there will be teams lining up for this kid because he is a sensational top-end player. Now, he is playing with Connor McDavid, and Connor McDavid, he makes everybody around him better, just like Wayne Gretzky did, just like Sidney Crosby has. That's what a great player is supposed to do. But you can't take away what Evander Kane has done in this series. And a Calgary Flame team that's very well coached, might have the coach of the year, one of the more dynamic first lines in all of hockey, and a very young, talented goaltender. I was very surprised that the Calgary Flames were spent and, and really got washed away by the Edmonton Oilers, Speedy, in five games. What we were saying about the Hurricanes at certain points of this series and the Rangers in their series against the Penguins proved true with the Flames. The Flames have a talented defensive team and a good goaltender, and they played way too passive. Edmonton is not thought of as an overly physical team. Evander Kane is, and Zach Hyman is, a couple players are, but it's not a team thought of like that. It's a speed and skill type team, and it always has been that way. Even a lot of their defensemen, their older defensemen, are those types of players. And the Flames just play very passive, which is very unlike a Daryl Sutter-like team. When he was with the Kings, their teams were all physical, gritty, even their forwards, and they just didn't show that in this series. And they looked uncharacteristically so bad defensively. They had that one big emotional game, one win, where they won 9-6, to six and just really fell off after that. They blew every lead imaginable. They took their foot off the gas in the second period sometimes, and it was just unheard of. The Oilers give Evander Kane a lot of credit for a guy that did not play much of the season to play as well as he had in the playoffs, now has 12 goals. That's a way to break off the rust of I ever saw it. They're getting good defense. And Mike Smith, he hasn't been great, but he's been good enough. He had that one bad goal from, like, the other zone. But beyond that, he was playing all right down the stretch. But Edmonton, this is a team that really had a lot of cap issues to maneuver, and they found a way to make it work. And now they got one more last challenge against the Avalanche of the Blues. I'll say this about the Avalanche and the Blues. Everybody thought that that series was over when McKinnon had that hat trick in the third period. They took the late lead, and then all of a sudden,
seven with 50 seconds left. Craig Berube calls a timeout, draws up a perfect play where Thomas was sitting in front of the net, a rebound came, and then they put the puck in the net, brought it to overtime, and then won. St. Louis has been built for winning Stanley Cups. They're a very well-built machine. Now, they don't have their great goaltender in Biddington. He's out for the rest of this series. The Avalanche is one of the favorites. What we have seen so far in this playoffs is you can't bet on any one of these teams, except Tampa Bay, because you don't know if this Tampa Bay team's ever going to quit or ever going to give up. And this team has proven that they are a championship-bound team. I haven't seen a dominant team like this. I wasn't even alive since the Islanders. Really, in the time... Of the Detroit Red Wings in the 90s where they were good and they won a couple of Stanley Cups where they were dominant every single year. And that's how good this team has been built. And Stevie Eisenman, we talk about Detroit. Stevie Eisenman was the captain of that team. He was the center. He was the best player on that team of the Sergei Fedorovs of the world, the Keith Primos of the world. And I could go up and down that roster and how great that roster was over the years. They even had Dominic Kasha, Chris Osgood. Fantastic, fantastically built. But... Stevie Eisenman built this Tampa Bay Lightning team, and they have been just sensational year in and year out. And even though Steve's not there, Steve deserves all the credit in the world. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get into the NBA. We'll get into the Celtics that are, look like they could knock off the Miami Heat because of injuries. Lowry's injured. Them and their mothers are injured right now. So we'll get into the whole Miami Celtics series. And yes, Golden State heading back to the NBA Finals. I am not happy, and I'm not excited about that. But shout out to Steve Kerr on what he said about the Senate and what's going on in the world, and that he thinks that the Senate needs to figure this out with all the kids that were murdered in cold blood over there in Texas and the two teachers that were killed as well. So my heart goes out to the families over there in Texas, and I love what Steve Kerr said, and he's absolutely right. Something needs to be done with what's going on in the world. It's an absolute hazard of what's going on in the world. So we will get into the Golden State Warriors, what they need to do against whoever they have to play the Celtics or Miami and watching the Celtics and the Golden State Warriors play in the finals if that ever happens boy oh boy oh boy could that be just absolute hazard for me as a basketball fan because I hate the it Celtics. was the equivalent for me of the Patriots Eagles Super Bowl and like, I, I could watch for either one of them when we come back we'll get into some NBA conversation here on the weekend crunch we are back ladies and gentlemen as you know this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy, Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. Just so everybody knows... Our show, The Weekend Crunch, for the first time in almost a year and a half, will not be live next week. Me and Speedy are going on vacation, but we'll be back the week after. So don't worry. We'll have some new guests and new content coming up on 103.9. We would like to thank all the fans that listen to us and spend the Saturdays, their Saturdays at 7 p.m. with me and the great and powerful Speedy Weedy. Yes. Anyways, let's get into some NBA. And Miami, going into this series, I thought was absolutely the favorite. And as this series has progressively gone further and further and further, I see the confidence in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And this team, who has been fighting injury throughout the playoffs, I think all the teams have been. The Celtics have stayed a little bit more healthier than the Miami Heat. Now, Miami... 
they have a great shooting squad. Robinson and, and Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler, who, by the way, hasn't hit a lick in the last two games. Victor Oladipo, who, by the way, hasn't looked good in the last two games. Kyle Lowry, who's won a championship over there in Toronto, who can't stay healthy. What we've seen in this series is the battle of the coaching. And everybody would have thought with Miami, with the experience and a coach that's won multiple championships with the Miami Heat, you would think that there was an advantage there. It hasn't been. The rookie coach from the Celtics, Udoka, was the assistant coach for the Brooklyn Nets last year, which I'm sure the Brooklyn Nets are probably scratching themselves or smacking themselves right now that he's not the head coach for that team right now. You think right now when you look at both of those teams, you wonder who is going to represent the Eastern Conference to play the Golden State Warriors. And to me right now, the advantage goes to the Celtics. The Celtics are the better team. They're the better built team defensive team. They have the better two players in this series. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have outplayed Jimmy Butler, outplayed Victor Oladipo. They've been out-rebounding the Miami Heat by a significant amount, offensively and defensively. And to me, this Celtic team is just on a journey that we've seen before. We've seen this Celtic team years ago with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. Now, are they as good as those teams? No. They don't have the star power that those teams had. But they have the defense that those teams had. They have the will to win like those teams had. And even though I can't stand the Boston Celtics, they're one win away from knocking off the Miami Heat, Speedy. We were talking about it with the Suns and the Mavericks series. You could have all the depth on paper, and if it doesn't show up, you're not going to do well. And Miami's depth really has not showed up. They've had shooting woes after shooting woes. Really, only one guy has played well offensively in every game, and the Celtics' depth has outplayed them. And Ime Odoka deserves a lot of credit for that because he's using a lot of the guys that are usually starters on the bench. He's maneuvering lineups. And somebody like Derek White, Grant Williams, guys that could be starters, have been starters in other games, played well in game number five and kind of tricking Eric Spolstra in a way where you're not getting content with one set lineup outside of Tatum and Brown and smart when he plays but he's missed two games as well. So I give Odoka a lot of credit for that. The defense has been stifling, especially on the perimeter so far. And the, the wings have been really dominant one way between both Tatum and Brown, but also the depth wingers off the bench too on both ends of the floor. And the Celtics for years, what we were saying about their biggest flaw was rebounding. They needed a big man for a while and they found one in Robert Williams. And when he's played, he has been a dominant force. Absolutely. And that's why I've been very impressed with this Miami Heat team. You you look at the, as far as what we have seen so far in this series, I think that when you watch this series and you, you watch the back and forth tandems of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and then on the other side, Jimmy Butler and Olin Depot, you can see the more healthier and more better talent on the Celtics side. So I'm not surprised the Celtics right now are up three to two in this series, and I'm not surprised if they win this series and go on and play the Golden State Warriors. As far as the Golden State Warriors are concerned, I respect Steve Kerr. I respect what Steve said before the game in game number five. He's absolutely right about the Senate, the 50 senators that are not voting to protect our schools, our kids, people. I think Steve Kerr is very well respected around the NBA and very well respected as a coach throughout the country. And what Golden State has done in a series where Dallas knocked off a Phoenix Suns team that was the number one team in the NBA, a team that was on its way to going to another finals and maybe win a championship finally. Chris Paul, we see him hoist that championship up. 
they get knocked out against a very talented Luka Doncic, a very talented young Mavericks team where you see a, a young Jalen Brunson and, and Tim Hardaway Jr. And some of these young players really develop into the players and play very well with a great player like Luka Doncic. But when they play Golden State, Andrew Wiggins shut down. Well, didn't shut him down, but shut him down enough to keep Luka Doncic from getting those 40, 45-point games, 50-point games, where he gives them a chance to win every single night. It wasn't like that in this series. Dallas was really trying to figure out where they were going to get the offense after Luka Doncic was shut down in certain ends of the, the basketball game, especially in the third quarters and the second quarter. I've been very impressed with, really, the team unity of this Golden State Warriors team. And I'm not talking about Steph Curry or Klay Thompson, even Draymond Green, because we we know what they are. I'm talking about guys like Poole. I'm talking about some of the young players on this roster that are the future of this organization, like Andrew Wiggins, who is still fairly very young. This team is built very well, and this organization has built this team to be successful even when Steph Curry is gone and Klay Thompson is gone and Draymond Green they decide to part ways with. What I was saying before about the system for Tampa working, I'm not going to say Steve Kerr is a great, great coach, but I think what he's done this year has really elevated his coaching level where he's getting the young guys to work in that system, off-ball movement, good screens, good three-point shooting. And you're right, the young players have been the difference when it comes to this series and even the last series against the Grizzlies. Jordan Poole, the big one, but also Moses Moody, who's a rookie. Jonathan Kuminga, who's a rookie. He's gotten all good minutes in this series. The problem I was worried about with the Warriors against the Grizzlies was a lot of times that they were relying on one player. And it seemed like if Jordan Poole was down, they got blown out. Or if Steph Curry was down, they got blown out. That wasn't the case in this series. They found ways to win. Jordan Poole was shut down in certain games, and Steph Curry showed up. When Steph Curry was shut down, Jordan Poole came out, or or Wiggins came out. Wiggins had his best series of the playoffs. So the Warriors' depth finally really showed, like you were saying, the team basketball that they play and the system really working well. And Dallas' depth, which overperformed all playoffs, finally crashed and burned and played down to that level. Absolutely. And I think when you look at everything that's going on in the NBA, why not talk about the Brooklyn Nets? I don't know what's going on with that team. I don't know what's going on with that organization. Sean Marks might be looking for a job very, very soon. Kevin Durant who can opt out of his contract this year unless he wants to opt back in for the next three years is not talking to the management. And there's a lot of reasons why. Maybe the fact that they traded James Harden. Maybe the fact that Ben Simmons decided not to play in the playoffs. Maybe the fact that Kyrie Irving wants a max contract and Kevin Durant just doesn't think that Kyrie's the answer to where this team should go or what this team could be in the future. The fact is right now, this team is built with all old veterans, and there's no future. No future. This is a Billy King built team. <laughs> you traded away Karis Levert. You traded away all these big young players. You made some good moves in the draft, and you brought some second-round picks, but none of those guys are going to be stars. None of those guys are going to be guys like Karis Levert. That if he didn't have the problems that he had when the Nets traded him, who knows where he'd be right now on the Brooklyn Nets. He might be the third or maybe even the second option on this team. And maybe they knock off the Celtics if they had a Karis Levert. So... I think that when you look at the way the Nets are built and where the Nets are going, who would have thought that they'd be the laughing stock in New York? It usually is the Knicks and James Dolan. Now it's really, what is the Nets going to do? What are their plans in the offseason? Do they pay Kyrie Irving $256 million, the max, max, super max deal? I wouldn't. And then you don't know if Kevin Durant wants to be there, and it seems like he doesn't want to be there. So we've seen Kevin Durant pick up and leave. Ask the Golden State Warriors, and they're Mm -hmm. still winning. And I'm sure he's not happy about what's going on in Golden State and what the Nets are being knocked out in the first round. 
if they give Kyrie Irving that type of money for everything, all the drama that he put them through last year, and now all the drama that has ensued a couple of weeks ago with all the Twitter things he was posting, that would be a big mistake if they did that. And Kevin Durant, too. You wonder, what is the cause of all this? James Harden, I know they had a little beef with that when he first got there, and James Harden didn't like that Kyrie Irving was missing all the games, the home games, and Ben Simmons' lack of a work ethic in the playoffs definitely hurting the Nets in those close games against the Celtics. Would it have made a difference to win? I don't know, but at least put a competitive product out there. As far as the front office, yeah, they're really doomed if they're going to lose all this because they don't have the depth. They don't have a first-round pick until, like, 2029. Mm-hmm. And they traded everybody else away in order to cater to what Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant wants. So, it's not like they had a front office tension on talent and on players and on fit. Those guys wanted James Harden. Kevin Durant wanted James Harden. I'm not sure about Kyrie Irving, but they got what they wanted and still aren't happy, and now might be going for an ugly, ugly ending. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will have Chaz and the crew as we will talk and make bets on Moneyline Mania here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Mark. My co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Well, 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 we haven't had them on for a long, long time, and World Wide West is back. We call this segment Money Line Mania. This is Money Line Mania with Chaz and the crew. Well, 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 we got Chaz and Blackhawk, a.k.a. World Wide West on. Chazzy boy, what's going on, man? Life was pretty good. It looked like it was going to be a lock and it was going to slide through the pandemic without an issue. And then I got backdoored by Corona. Well, hopefully you didn't get backdoored for anything else, if you know what I mean. <laughs> we were out of commission, and it's funny, because as sick as I was, I didn't actually get COVID. My son got COVID, but I got sick. It's just the stress of being around that I got a sinus infection. But I was watching Wes, right, and he's telling us all the series in hockey that he bet. And every single time he bet a series in hockey, he won a series in hockey. And then I went into the Preakness with a $50 bill and I turned it into twelve hundred. It was an incredible run, but we weren't able to share it with you guys because we weren't on the air. Well, it's incredible now. So why don't we just put your hands up? Maybe throw me a couple of bills, and maybe I could become rich too. I'm going to well, the you, Belmont. You know that, Wes. You don't do it for the money. The money's a byproduct. Just like if you love what you do for work, Stop. you know, you know, don't it's a byproduct. It for the money, get well, out of be, here. Being right is so sweet, it's, isn't that? Well, Wes? it's it's one of those things where. I could watch the game for free, but I know that we are typically right more than we're wrong. So why not have some cash on it? Give us your numbers for the series. How many did you bet? How many did you cash? The first round, we went seven and one. So there's eight series in the first round and we, we caught seven of them. And then where it sits the second round, we got one cashed out already. We got two still alive. But really having cash seven, you only need one more. Eight means you're guaranteed a winner because there's 15 series. And that first round, we were on St. Louis, which was plus 140. That kind of tilted it a little bit, covered the juice, covered some of the minus money on some of them. So we're guaranteed a non-losing playoff run. I switched it up in the second round. So the original bracket I posted, I revisited it. And then on the Discord page, I switched to Edmonton because I felt like Edmonton had the shot. I just felt like in that first game, Markstrom, even though Calgary won, that was the game where they scored nine goals. I felt that Markstrom was broken. 
They broke him, and it was only a matter of time before Connor Mack showed up. And so I switched. I originally had Calgary go to the Cup. But, yeah, that's where we sit. It's been a great Cup run. The Rangers, God, they've been fun to watch, haven't they, guys? No, I'm yes. not a Ranger fan. But, yes, uh... they have. <laughs> the young kid line, the kid defenseman, Igor Shosturkin. Hopefully they can pull it through Stop in Game it. 6. Speedy's been one of those guys that has not had his team going anywhere past the first round. I had them beating the Penguins. Enough out of you. <laughs> I didn't have them winning this series, but I'm impressed the way they played. Oh, God, please. Shosturkin, that is God to be the out-of-nowhere player that is just shining and carrying his team. Well, that's what happens in the playoffs. The goaltender is the most important piece to that defense, the most important player to that whole team. And Shesterkin in the second round has been fantastic. In the first round, he was nowhere to be found. He was horrible. He was pulled two games out of that Penguin series. It's unbelievable. And now all of a sudden, he's been shutting down a very good Carolina team. Uh, offense that just hasn't shown up in any part of this series. Remember, guys, there was still three weeks left in the season. We started looking at futures for the NHL. We were looking at both the Islanders every week and the Rangers. And we saw one team just start playing good hockey. The Rangers finished the season winning. And when you go into the playoffs winning, you're a better team than if you just go in limping. The Rangers are very well balanced. And anybody out there that's in those daily fantasy DraftKings and things like that, if you look at the Rangers players, there is nobody that is like a huge dollar amount because they have overwhelming stats. They're just totally balanced from Kreider to Panarin. They have depth everywhere and they're showing up in odd ways. But the goalie piece is what's got them in this playoffs. I really wouldn't be surprised to see them make a deep run. With the goaltending, with the Islanders, why do you think the Islanders decided to part ways with Barry Trotz? Because it's the first time that they had a goaltender that they can trust going in next year where they don't have to have that dominant defense. They have a guy that can shut down a team. So that's why I think when you're going into the playoffs, the most important piece to winning a championship is the goaltending. As you see with Shesterkin, what you've seen so far in the St. Louis series, even without Biddington, Huso's played well. Avalanche goaltending hasn't been up to par. Vasilovsky, what he's done with the Tampa Bay Lightning and why the Tampa Bay Lightning have won back-to-back championships. It has nothing to do with what they've had offensively or defensively. It has everything to do with what their goaltending is. I think goaltending is the most important position in professional sports, and you can see it winning the biggest trophy in professional sports. A couple months ago, we were talking about how the standard over-under, it's always five or five and a half. It Mm. shifted to six and a half because of how generationally poor this season of goaltending was. And now we get into the playoffs and here we go, Shesterkin. And like you said, Huso, Bennington, I feel like the Blues might have had a different series if Bennington was in. The Kadri incident and everything else. But Huso stepped up. He's probably going to find his way starting somewhere else. I don't think he's going to be part of the duo in St. Louis next year. And New York is going to pay this man or he's going to be elsewhere getting paid. Let's talk about that game tonight then, Wes. This is a series where nobody wants to steal one on the road. The Rangers are holding down the garden tough and then the Canes are winning at home. We're not really seeing a ton of goals in this series either. We have yet to go over five goals. The big margins are happening on the empty netters in the end of the game. Carolina, Sebastian Ajo has kind of disappeared a little bit in this series. He's never really a gaudy stats guy, but he's kind of getting shut down and New York is getting things done with depth. This is a hard call, but just the way the series is gone, I have to lean Canes and Moneyline, and they defend that castle very well. So I'm going Canes Moneyline. I don't know if there's ever been a back-to-back series where that has ever happened, Wes. The Bruins Hurricane series straight through home games, and now this one five games in is the same way. Definitely not in the NHL. I don't think even in the NBA either. I also believe in game six, being that the Rangers are the home team. I can't see Carolina going in the playoffs and losing every single 
away game. I expect the Canes to come out strong. I expect them to shut down the Rangers in game number six. I think the Rangers have been fantastic. I think Shesterkin has played very well, but all in all, I think when you look at the team and you look at what the Carolina Hurricanes have done through the season, this is the series that they have to prove themselves. They need to get into the Eastern Conference Championship. Nobody would have thought that Tampa Bay would be sitting there, but again, I think Tampa Bay is the favorites coming out of the Eastern Conference, no matter who wins this series. So I think the Hurricanes knock off the Rangers in six games. Well, we talked about that when we looked at the futures coming off back-to-back, and they were 12-1 to when we looked at them. What I think as far as the next series, just looking for right. entertainment value, if we're going to see a competitive conference championship, no knock on the Rangers because they've shown up where nobody thought they would. I didn't think they were going to beat the Pens. But if we're going to see a competitive conference finals against Tampa Bay, the Canes are going to have to be the ones that do Absolutely. It. They also have to get Frederick Anderson back because Ronta, who's been very, very good in the playoffs this round against the Rangers has been horrible. Frederick Anderson, who's been one of the best goaltenders in this year's regular season and going into the playoffs, they needed him. I think him coming back full service in the Easter Conference Finals could definitely give the Canes a boost maybe against Vasilovsky and that Tampa Bay offensive style of team. Braden Point will be back next round, too, who wasn't there against the Florida Panthers. I think this is a completely different Tampa Bay team with Braden Point. I would like to see the Hurricanes versus Tampa. That'll be the fun series. And Edmonton, surprising everybody, has been remarkable. And McDavid's the biggest superstar in sports, so why not see Connor McDavid in the Western Conference Finals for the first time in his career? So abs against Edmonton. I'm really looking forward to that duo because mm. you got McKinnon, Rontanon, Kadri on the other side. And then you go on the other side to Dreisaitl and McDavid. It feels very Patrick Mahomes against Josh Allen. Just the young guns, the next generation Crosby Ovechkin. McKinnon, he is yet to have like a huge game in this series. He had one. Game five, he had three goals. A hat trick. You ever watch him with his post-game interviews? Yeah. Like, he just doesn't come across the same as Connor McDavid. No. And he just feels like he's got to prove it. And he's like right there as far as skill set. He's the Nomar Garcia para. When he came into the league and everybody was comparing him. Connor McDavid, McKinnon. He's like the Nomar Garcia Perry. He's not Derek Jeter and he's not Alex Rodriguez. He's more that guy, the laid back guy, the great defensive player that just goes on the field and does what he does and that's what makes him so great. If you were to ask me what kind of player that he compares me to to the players that are in the league, when that dominant shortstop level with the Nomar Garcia Perry, Alex Rodriguez, and Derek Jeter and trying to figure out who the number one guy is, I think McKinnon's like that. I think McKinnon's a fantastic player and yes, I agree with you. I want nothing more than to see McKinnon McDavid. Any matchup in any sport history, this has the making to to turn into that and in the years to come. And the goaltending on both of these teams is not great. We could be looking at seven, eight goal games with the speed that both these two teams have. It is just going to be an incredible, incredible Don't forget about the hottest player in the NHL playoffs, Evander Kane, who's been unbelievable. This is a guy that was betting on hockey. San Jose gave up on him, and then he gets picked up in the middle of the season by the Edmonton Oilers, and then he goes on this crazy run of goal scoring. Evander Kane, to me, has been the best player. He's the Conn Smythe Trophy winner in the playoffs. He's been fantastic. Setting up for you better, Sue, too. <laughs> what we're seeing out of Edmonton is what we were missing last year and the year before is key performances out of depth. We've seen hat tricks, non-Connor McDavid hat tricks. We've seen Duncan Keith with mm-hmm. some Stanley Cup experience scoring goals. We've seen real depth and contributions that are non-Dreisaitl and non-Connor McDavid. I mean, they're performing, too, but we're getting role-playing out of that team. Edmonton is dangerous. Obviously, they want to see that Edmonton Oiler team in the 80s and the 90s where Mark Messier and Wayne Gretzky and Adam Graves, Grant Fiore, an amazing team and amazing superstars and 
all-stars and future Hall of Famers on the team. I don't know if this team is as good as that team, but I think with Connor McDavid, I think the face of hockey right now, Drysaddle, who I thought might have been traded. If they couldn't get out of the last round, in the first round, I thought Edmonton was going to move on from one of these guys, but how could you trade him now? I mean, Drysaddle's fantastic. Connor McDavid is special, and Evander Kane will not be back with Edmonton because he's going to want a lot of money. You guys remember that kid that won all that money on the St. Louis Blues future? Mm-hmm. 100 grand or something on a $400 ticket? Yes, sir. How well about Bennington? What Bennington did a couple of years ago to win the Stanley Cup against the Bruins. I was there when they won the Stanley Cup. Bennington is an ass trying to talk to him and have a conversation with him. But what he did on that run, everybody had the Bruins winning that series. It really was Bennington that showed up in that series and absolutely shut down a great Bruins two lines that were so dominant throughout the playoffs. So hot goaltending wins. Wes, anything else you got planned this weekend that you're going to invest some of your own hard-earned money on? So I'm looking at Game 7 in the NBA. I think it's going to be close. I think that the Heat are going to win the series. Well, they have a lot of injuries. If somehow Lowry can come back and actually play at half or 60-70%, I think they have the depth to do it. The problem here is that I think the Celtics are very good defensively sound, and what scares me about the Heat is, is Jimmy Butler has just not had a very good series. And Without Jimmy Butler having a good series, I don't know how Miami's going to score. Oladipo has been horrible. I think Oladipo is going to be looking for a new contract in the offseason. It's just not coming from Miami. I like what I've seen with the Celtics. I hate the Celtics. I don't want to see the Celtics go against the Golden State Warriors. I'd rather see the Heat, but I would have loved to see Phoenix and Golden State. That was too easy of a series for Golden State against Dallas. The NBA, you just don't know anymore. I am absolutely lost with the NBA. However, it's at least three or four weeks now since he told you, this same guy that's on the air today, told you to take Golden State to win it all. Let's not say that, okay? Let's not hope that. I do not want to see Golden State win again. I certainly hope it. Plus 900 and plus 700. That's a pretty nice It's good for you. It's not good for me. Yeah, well, why are you not rooting for West's bats? I don't want to see (laughs) Steph Curry in his little shimmy shake. It's Moneyline Mania. It's not Errol's emotional mania. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right now it is my emotional mania, and I do not want to see (laughs) Steph Curry shimmy himself onto another winning championship. As good as Steph Curry has been year in and year out, this is not been one of his best years. It's really been a team effort and sensational guys like Jordan Paul and Andrew Wiggins who has been sensational. This man is the reason why Luka Doncic couldn't do what he did against Phoenix in the semifinals. So eat your heart out all you dumb, disrespectful bastards. The iron in basketball. Two months ago we were talking about the East. East, East, East. Is it going to be Brooklyn? Is it going to be the Sixers? There's always the LeBron GOAT debate. LeBron, KD. Nobody was talking about injured Steph. And here he comes. And the first round, he was playing off the bench. And what a wild move that was Mm -hmm. for Steph Curry to come in against the twos and just light it up. And then comes Jordan Poole. And so Curry's almost playing underdog going into this playoff run. So two years ago, when they were going to three in a row, that Golden State Curry team with KD, how loaded it was, that was hard to cheer for in my mind. But this one feels very underdog-esque, just the way that they Stop it. (laughs) Stop it, Wes. I love you, man. Stop it. I can't see these guys. All they do is cause trouble on the court. How many times? They provoke Jokic. They provoke Luka Doncic. These guys, they're cocky, obviously confident. And I just want somebody to shove a basketball down their throat. It may not be this year. (laughs) I'm rooting for the Celtics. I don't care who comes out of that series. Please, one of those teams knock out this team, finally. I do not want to see the Golden State Warriors win that trophy again. I know that's what you want to see. You want to shimmy yourself with that 
plus 900, plus 700, whatever the heck you have. I don't want to see the Golden State Warriors win. I, I offered up the play to anybody that chose to join me, and you could have been cheering with me. Not when I'm winning. I'd rather lose than watch them win. All the money in the world. Well, it's right there. there. You showed why you have us on because no sports <laughs> better would ever say that. <laughs> and that's yeah, why and, I'm not a sports fan. You know, I want to go back to this Miami and Boston. You brought up a couple good points. Where is Miami going to get the points from? And, you know, Jimmy Butler, I wouldn't say he's had a terrible series. But what I will say is going to be interesting going into game seven is Lowry's getting a little interesting right mm-hmm. now. At a pretty good game six, what version of Lowry do we see in game seven? What does that create for Jimmy Butler? I go back to the Celtics and Horford is like one game on, one game off. And I don't think the Celtics can beat a good Kyle Lowry Miami if Horford is off mediocre. There's been injuries on both sides. I will be the biggest cheerleader for the Miami Heat if they go to the finals against the Golden State. You're going to wear your Miami Vice jersey every day. I'll wear my (laughs) Miami Vice jersey. I'll be dancing, doing the shimmy. I'll be going to Miller's Ale House because there's so many Golden State Warrior fans here in Long Island. I've never seen so many fake Golden State Warrior fans here on Long Island. When you go into Miller's Ale House when they're playing in the finals, there's a ton of them. I Steph Curry fans. I, give me a break. I'll wear my E-Marks Miami Vice jersey, and I'll be doing my shimmy all the way to the bank because I got Miami. Give me a plus 900, baby. There you go, Wes. You might have to come up here just to go to Miller's Ale House. Money line that, baby. Join them. The NBA, John and Wes and I have been talking about first half, you're up by 17. You lose the game by 18. It's just been crazy. But look at all the goals that scored in hockey. And because Sports Betting Weekly, the heart and soul of our show is live betting. And when you catch a game where there's four goals in five minutes and you're live betting, it's one of the coolest sports betting things you can ever have. Hockey is always fun to watch. It's the number one thing when it comes to playoff sports. And hockey is is something that just catches to everybody. Even if you're not a hockey fan, you want to watch it because it's just fun. The beatings that you see, the craziness that with the fans, it's unbelievable. It doesn't matter where it is. Madison Square Garden, Colorado, St. Louis, and the fans are just absolutely crazy. It's a unique time of year because... Remember, there's only two days every single year in America where there's no games to bet on in Vegas, and that's the day before and the day after the All-Star break. Mm. So we're winding down now. Basketball is going to be ending soon. There's only going to be two teams left, and hockey will have four teams left. But Wes and I got some good news from the negotiating table yesterday, and CFL is going to play. We sure do. June 9th. Let's do it. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. It is. But I looked at some pictures for Sunday, Petey, because with baseball, Errol made a great point about how important that hockey, the goalie is in hockey. When you got a goalie that's like blocking 98% of his Mm. shots, it's a pretty fun bet on a guy like that. I looked at the matchups on Sunday where there were no TBDs. Everybody was ready to pitch. I started with five games and I narrowed it down to three. I got a 1040 game. So like one o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday is so different than 10 o'clock in the morning on the Sunday. And that's what I do love about the summers and betting baseball is out here. The games are so early. Wes, John and I will be texting at nine o'clock in the morning some days because the games are kicking off. So I've got the Yankees at Tampa Bay. I got Kansas City at Minnesota. I got the Dodgers at Diamondbacks. And I got three opinions. You guys are in Yankee territory. They're playing Tampa Bay again. Here's what I noticed when I was looking at the pitcher. Severino lost last week 0-5. to White Sox. 
But they scored the five runs in the eighth inning after he was out. He pitched seven innings and shut out ball. In his last seven games before that game, they are 7-0, and the Yankees, when he's on the mound. And they've scored five runs in seven of them. The problem is they're facing this guy from Tampa Bay who doesn't give up anything. By the, he is stingy. By the way, the Yankees are the first team to be 20 games over 500. Because I'm blessed to have a team that is very good. San Diego is very good this year. Mm-hmm. And they've got some players that are missing. It was the race to 30, right? They were the first team to get the 30 W's. Mm-hmm. There's a handful of teams out there this year that are very, very good baseball teams. Houston recently won on what 11 game run when you hop on a team and west once you start winning seven eight in a row you don't mind betting minus 280 or minus 290 because it, it becomes almost a free money situation you're up 19 units already what the hell's the difference so uh, but so, yeah, this kid for tampa bay McClanahan, he's really really good i'm playing this game the team total under for the yankees and i really don't care what else happens I would love to see it go to the bottom of the ninth, two to one or three to two, something like that. I'd be a happy man. Then 20 minutes later, 11 o'clock Sunday morning, I'll still have bacon on the counter. My oldest son, you know, Chaz West, he left for Brazil. We took him off to LAX. He's in Brazil for a month with his fiance, and he's the big bacon eater in our house. So I guarantee you at 11 o'clock Sunday morning, when this Kansas City-Minnesota game kicks up, if you come by my house, there'll still be a few pieces of bacon on the counter. But Kansas City's not scoring. Minnesota's coming off a nice win streak. Sonny Gray isn't giving up runs. The other guy, Granky. Granky is just struggling. He does not look like himself. I like Minnesota here. And the last game, I'm taking the Dodgers over the D-backs. Mostly because if you take the Dodgers over anybody, most times you're going to win. That's my place. Wes will stop by at your house for bacon after he goes to Miller's Ale House. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling in the middle of running an amusement park. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you guys, as always, uh, worldwide, Wes. Missing in action for the last couple couple of weeks, but we're very happy to have you back, Chaz, as always. Great, fantastic, and all the great takes that you guys have, and really what you guys have done for this particular topic has been amazing. Moneyline Mania has been a big hit over here at 103.9 because of you guys. You guys are special and really appreciate you joining us. Always be cashing, man. Yeah, it's good to be back. Always be cashing, fellas. Worldwide West, Chaz, the Moneyline Mania team, always fantastic. We love them. When we come back, we have the MLB as the Yankees and the Mets playing great baseball. The Yankees, the first team to hit 20 games over 500. Not surprised as Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman should be out. I, I don't know what Yankee fans are thinking. Aaron Boone is right now manager of the year. Brian Cashman is GM of the year. And let's keep flying because the Yankees, no matter who they put in the bullpen, they find ways to win. So the New York Yankees are hot. The Mets are finding ways to win without Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom as they are slowly but surely moving closer to their return. When we come back, we'll get into some baseball here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, www. SRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio 
Network. There's nothing bad to talk about when it comes to baseball right now. I mean, both New York teams have been dominant. Let's go through the Mets. And a lot of people, after losing Max Scherzer, yours truly being one of them, really thought that this rotation was not going to be able to hold up with Walker, Miguel, Bassett. There's no stars like a Max Scherzer or Jacob DeGrom right now in that rotation. One of the best rotations in baseball before the season started. Some people say the best rotation in baseball before the season started. We haven't seen Jacob DeGrom or Max Scherzer in the same lineup really since Max Scherzer signed that contract. So we don't know what this Mets team is when they were at full strength. The question is, were they going to be able to hold up without these two dominant pitchers in the lineup and in their rotation? And the answer is... They have. There's nothing bad that you can say about this team right now. Peter Alonso right now at 40 RBIs. He's hitting home runs by the clip. Lindor's actually hitting. You're getting offense from the bench, something that the Mets have not done year in and year out. And who would have thought that the Mets, Speedy, would be an offensive type of team? Who would have thought the offense would have actually depth and not be just three or four guys actually hitting and hitting for themselves? It finally feels good to have a real team baseball. They're the best two-out hitting team in the National League. They're second in RBIs with runners in scoring position. They're second in RBIs with two outs. And I think that really shows that, one, Buck Showalter has done a great job managing this team, but two, they're actually finding ways to win with each other, too, and not just play for themselves. They're getting the money, and maybe that's a big boost to it because Steve Cohen loves to give out money. Pete Alonso will get a big contract the way he's playing, and mm-hmm. everyone else pretty much already has for the most part. And the pitching really has been battling. You had your first bad start this week from Bassett in a long time, but beyond that, he's been pitching fantastic. Carrasco has pitched very well, actually giving the Mets some length, which was never his big strength in Cleveland. And Miguel, before he got hurt, was pitching very well as well. The bullpen, yeah, there's still some question marks there, but but they're getting good production from Chase and Shreve. Drew Smith and Edwin Diaz have both pitched well outside of that crazy finish against the Giants on Tuesday night. But beyond that, I've been pitching fantastic. And Buck Showalter's not overusing any one of them, which is a good sign in terms of injury management to get it going when they have to manage through these injuries, at least for another month and maybe even longer. It has been wonderful to watch the New York Mets play. And as everybody knows, I am not a Mets fan. But when you look at this rotation, this rotation is still winning. They're getting offense on both sides. What I mean by both sides, they're getting offense from the bench. And they're getting offense from that starting lineup. Which to me, their first, second, third, and fourth hitters have been unbelievable. The top of their order has been sensational. Even at the bottom of their order has been hitting in certain aspects of the game too. So I really like this Mets team. I think they're fun to watch. I think they're a likable team. Edwin Diaz has been sensational this year. He's been the best closer in baseball. Him or Hader has been fantastic, by the way, with Milwaukee. And Milwaukee has a better record than the Mets. The Mets have the third best record in the National League. Who would have thought that? It's the Dodgers, number one, right now tailing behind the Yankees, 30 and 14. You have the Milwaukee Brewers that are 29 and 16. And then there's the Mets, 29 and 17. So when you look at the National League, I think there's just more powerhouse teams in the National League than there are in the American League. As far as the Yankees are Concern. The Yankees are playing Tampa this series, Memorial Day weekend. I've been very impressed with the Yankees, even against the good teams, the bad teams. The Yankees won a great game last night. Uh, Nestor Cortez was fantastic. There's really nothing to say bad about Nasty Nestor, who a lot of people, including our guest last night on the Sports Loudmouth, said they'll figure him out. And most pitchers, they don't 
change the way they play unless maybe the Yankees figured it out. But I think Cortez is a lot better than he was the last couple of years as a pitcher. I think this is the real Nestor Cortez. He proved it last year, especially in the second half when the Yankees put him in a rotation. Jamison Tyone, who's been fantastic for the Yankees, really has been. Ever since he got traded to the Yankees, and obviously everybody knows he's Garrett Cole's good friends, and the Yankees put him together. Garrett Cole's pitched well, but... Tyone has been a surprise for the New York Yankees. Another get by, yes, Brian Cashman, who all the Yankee fans can't stand. I don't know why everybody can't stand this guy. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. Tyone is 4-1 and one with a 2.95 ERA. I would say three of the top Yankees four guys in the rotation could be all-stars this year. It's crazy. Garrett Cole, Tyone. Nestor Cortez, even Saffarino, who has played very well too this year, coming back from an injury like that. The Yankees are six pitchers deep in their starting rotation. It's fantastic to watch right now. And offensively, Aaron Judge right now is the MVP of the league. 17 home runs and adding to it. He's been sensational. He's looking to get that big contract. If it's not from the Yankees, it could be from the San Francisco Giants. It could be from the Angels. Maybe he wants to go back home. I don't know what he wants to do, but this team is the best we've seen this team in a very long time. And thank you to Brian Cashman. Yes, thank you to Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone, who right now is manager of the year. Aaron Judge, 307, 17 home runs, 36 RBI so far has just been insane to start the year. And I don't know, he might be working up towards that money that he wants that we thought we wouldn't get at the beginning of the season. I think he wants between 250 and 300. And right. I, I don't know if the Yankees are going to give it to him. Forcing their hand, though. He's going to make it a very tough decision down the road. John Carlos Stanton having a great year, too. Just got hurt, was placed on the 10-day IL. But, yeah, but 285, 11 home runs, 35 Ankle RBIs. Spring. I'm not worried about that because they've been managing his injuries well the last two years. He's been as durable as he's ever been in his career since he was a young player the last two years. The pitching has definitely been fantastic. You're right. Three all-star caliber pitchers so far in the starting rotation. And then you got a lot of guys in the bullpen. Clay Holmes, .38 ERA is absolutely insane. 23 and two-thirds innings pitch, and he's pitching so many different roles. That's the relief pitcher that I think the Yankees... He's the new closer. But I think him being able to pitch in so many roles, though, is the pitcher that the Yankees have needed. They've always had guys in just set roles that pitch very well in those roles, but struggle in others. And the Yankees' new bullpen is going to be like that, too. Especially now with them losing Chad Green as well, who was always that kind of jack-of-all-trades. Yeah, they bring in Shane Green, you know? Now they bring in Shane Green, who's another one of those jack-of-all-trades type pitchers. He closed a little bit for the Braves, but is better used as an eighth-inning guy or a seventh-inning guy like he was How about the Yankees bringing in Carpenter? Interesting. They've been interested in Carpenter for the last year, year and a half. And then when he became available with the Texas Rangers, I think it's a good move for the Yankees. He's a good defensive player. He can play multiple positions. He can play first, second, third, short. And he's a good offensive player. And in this lineup, you need guys that can hit. He's not a power hitter, but he can hit. When he's been a power hitter, it was really only a couple peak years. He's much better when he was with the Cardinals as a contact, contact hitter. hitter yeah. Then, obviously, he's better than Jeff McNeil in his peak. But kind of like when Jeff McNeil had that slump when he started trying to hit home runs, Carpenter was like that later in his career, and he started to fall off. He had that one like near National League MVP season in 2018. That was his last big year. I had him on my squad. The Yankees can't have him force him to be that way because they have enough power hitters already. Ready. So if they can try to get him back to you that fill him on the bench, you can use well, him. yeah, he's going to be on the bench anyway because they have a lot of depth in that lineup. Yes, they do, and a lot of good versatility within the infield already with Kiner Falefa. Multiple Mayhew, guys that yeah. can play multiple positions. Right. Marvin Gonzalez. Marvin they've, Gonzalez. They have yeah. guys that could play multiple positions, and they need that in this lineup. He's a guy that's been a good opposite field hitter throughout his career. I think because of the defensive versatility in the infield, they might not need him to move around like the other guys, but can play a solid second base and has played mostly first base in his, his later years. 
years. I don't know if I would trust him on the other side of the infield because he's been bad in certain years with the Cardinals there. But at least for second and first, that's good. And they can rotate LeMahieu around as a result, Kiner Falefa. And if they can get that contact-hitting form of what he was, it could definitely be interesting. But going back to the pitching, that's going to be the big key that they're going to have to manage now with the two injuries now to Loisica and Chapman. They brought up Clark Schmidt. He's pitched very well so far. J.P. Sears had that good start. Got a bunch of good young players yeah. in that pitching staff and, and the bullpen. And also King, who's been sensational. Oh, yeah. They have a bunch of good young arms. Not built for starting. And obviously the Yankees have found guys that they drafted that were starters when they drafted them. And they moved them into the bullpen. And, and the game has changed. Putting them in the bullpen is not something that you're going to lose a great arm. These guys are going to be sensational arms. Luizica was a starting pitcher that they moved into the bullpen. And he has been sensational. I think he's the future closer for the Yankees. And he's hurt too. He's out for a couple of weeks as well. So the Yankees need to figure things out. Bringing in Shane Green, I think that's a good move by the Yankees. A guy right. that knows the Yankees, knows the roster. And Brian Cashman loves him. They gave him a minor league deal. What are you going to have to pay him? So right. I think the Yankees are being smart. I think Brian Cashman knows what he's doing as He's always known what he's done. I don't know why everybody wanted to throw him to the Wolves. No, the game's passed him by. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, passed him by so much. He has the best record in baseball. And he, right now, they're just dominating the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, the second best team. So, another team with a lot of good pitching, too. And the Yankees have been hitting against them. I want to go back to something that our guest Ryan Spader said last week, too. Mm-hmm. When he was talking about in the future potentially having like rotations of guys that aren't pure starters all the time. Guys that are pitching three innings. The Yankees have a lot of those types of fringe guys that now they can maneuver around this bullpen. And that's a good thing for the modern era of baseball, not only for this, but also for a postseason identity, too. We've seen the Yankees' bullpen have their flops in the playoffs because they've been overworked or because they've been used in the wrong roles, and now they have guys that could be used in so many different roles. Clay Holmes is the leader of that group, and they have so many good young ones after that. And the Yankees finally adjusted to that kind of modern era bullpen that they haven't had the last two years. Even in their peak years, it was more of a traditional one. Now they have so much depth, starters that could do so many different things, and they don't need the super big length all the time like some other teams that don't have the same level of bullpens need. Absolutely. Minnesota's played very well this year. Surprisingly, Houston's played very well. Verlander 6-1 and one, coming back from Tommy Johns. Who would have thought that Verlander would be this dominant? There's like five pitchers right now in the American League. Like all behind, all below two ERA. Right, Cortez is one of them. Verlander, Shane McClanahan on the Rays, and then Manoa on the Blue Jays. Logan Verlander, Gilbert on yeah. Seattle. That's going to be quite a race if they key up this pace for the Cy Young. It's sensational. It's great. And that's why baseball is so competitive and Obviously, what the Yankees are doing is, is amazing, and the Yankees look like they're going to be playoff bound this year. And if they can have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, that gives them the benefit of really stationing themselves and believing that they could be uh, a World Series competitive and World Series championship team. When we come back, we will be talking to former NFL, CFL wide receiver and kick returner, Stefan Logan. Yes, our friend here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crouch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Ole on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine, the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, or Android, World Wide Sports Radio Network. Well, 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 we haven't spoken to this guy in two years, and now we have him on again. We are now talking to former NFL, CFL, wide receiver, and kick returner. Stefan Logan! What's going on, Stefan? 
What's going on, y'all? Man, how y'all doing? I'm good, man. I miss you. We haven't spoken <laughs> to you almost two years, man. I know you were coaching, right? Yeah, yeah. I was coaching for a little bit, man. But that was a short stint when I was doing the coaching thing. My wife ended up getting sick. I'm sorry. And I had to come home. And I've been taking care of my wife full time. It's like, it's a full time really? job. but. It's worth it. How's she doing? I try not to make it sound too bad, but she's really not. She's not doing the best right now. We, we was in, we've been in the hospital, in and out of the hospital for the past month with the chemo and the radiation treatments and the this and the that and the pills and the medicine and all that. So it's like a little roller coaster going up and down. But we're taking it one day at a time and we still fighting every day. So as long as she's still breathing... I'll be right there fighting with her 24-7. A world needs good people like you, Stefan. I try to, man. I try to be good. I, I say this real quick. I, me and my wife was, was in the car the other day. We don't really go out as much as we used to because of what's going on. I came home one day and I said, let's go ride on the beach. I didn't know if we was going to get out or not. So we just going to cruise on through. We was just talking about like kids and life and stuff like that. And I told her, I said, I might not be the greatest dad due to not my fault. Your kids, mom, they just kind of put me through hell. I am in control of being the greatest husband. So I try to make up for the lack in that area of like with my kids, but with my wife, I go over and beyond to be a great husband. So I just want to tell you that. We've had so many different people on our show. We've interviewed so many people. And when you hear some of the stories and the trials and tribulations that some of these guys have gone through, not even from their families, but mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, kids. I lost my four-month-year-old nephew early this year in yeah, an accident. Sorry. And then my cousin... A couple of weeks later, passed away. 22-year-old cousin passed away, found not moving, non-responsive in his bed after yeah. coming back from the service. So, Sorry to yeah. hear that, man. So it's crazy how life goes so fast. I turned 40 a couple of weeks ago, and it happened so fast. I remember when I was 18, and I graduated <laughs> from high school. It's, it's crazy. I'll be 41 next week on the 2nd. I'll be 41, so thank you. But Happy yeah, birthday. it do go fast. It does. <laughs> before you know it, if you was 18, before you knew it, you were 30. You look good for a 41-year-old, man. You oh, thank good. you very much. I'll try to keep myself nice and clean and shaved and smooth so i try to keep it right well, I, I say the same thing most people when they turn 40 they lose their hair but if you look at my hair right now i don't think i'm oh, losing man, you any good hair. you good man I, I i lost mine when i was about 25 so it's okay i keep it shaved and the good thing about it is when i'm riding my bike or be cruising in the streets or whatever in the car and i let the windows down i let the wind blow through my scalp so i don't got to worry about nothing I think Ryan Shazier had something where he couldn't grow hair after the age of 17. Or... I think he had something going on where he couldn't grow hair. What is it it's, called? It's, it's, alopecia? Alopecia, yeah. And Hans Ward, he can grow hair, but he had did a little treatment thing that they had where he won't grow no more facial hair. When you go to the gym, you don't want to have any hair on your body, so you have to shave your body. and It's horrible to keep up with that when you're doing it yeah. all the way when you're 17, 18 years old, all the way to yeah. your 40. And as you get older, you just get hairier and hairier and hairier. Trust Anyways. me, I know. We got all kind of little things that we That's can do. Right. You got to be shaving but women go through it all the time but they do a wax so it's a little different but yeah <laughs> brazilian wax. you know i always wanted to go to a brazilian wax shop and and actually go sit with my girl and just watch her get her brazilian wax they always say why don't you go get your thing wax get your butt wax i'm like yeah why don't you go and do it you know? right I, I don't want no pain like that the women used to it yeah so like my wife when she go I asked him, I was like, does it hurt? She said, not anymore, it used to. But now it's like, cakewalk. <laughs> if I go there right now, it just, yeah, that hurt. I don't even want to deal with it, so that's fine. We're talking to former NFL and CFL wide receiver and kick returner, Stefan Logan. We haven't spoke to you in two years. At the time, you were coaching football. You've been taking care of your wife. Going into this year's football season and watching 
all the things that have happened. When you talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the way they play defense, but Ben Roethlisberger retires, and Tom Brady retires and comes back now for another season. And, and you talk about Buffalo. Buffalo was one of the worst teams in the NFL for 15 years, and now all of a sudden they're one of the best teams in the AFC. What were your thoughts going into last season and, and how everything transitioned into Super Bowl champions, the LA Rams? I knew the Rams was going to give everybody a challenge. When Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford came over there, so I was talking to somebody else that was in Detroit and I talked to him about Matthew Stafford. I said he needed a change. He needed to go somewhere else. A whole new coach, just different locker room, different people. And as you can see what happened, he won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I don't like Boston. I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm a Tom Brady fan. I like Tom Brady. I like winners. And Tom Brady is a winner. And watching last year unfold was kind of difficult because my best friends, we talk on the phone every day. We should have a podcast because we talk every day. We talk sports. We talk about life. We talk about everything. I said this year, well, last year, we're not going to know who the Super Bowl team is. It's going to be a surprise. And I was pulling for Tom, of course. And I said, the Rams has a really strong shot because of the depth they had. And then when they went and got Von Miller, I knew it was over after that. And as you can see, they won the Super Bowl. And when I watched Pittsburgh, I said, Ben need to retire after this year. He just wasn't the same. Offensive line wasn't as strong as they needed to. Najee getting beat up in the backfield. He averaged 1,000 yards this year, but that 1,000 yards was painful. 20 and 30 carries, he was averaging like 2.3 yards a carry. It wasn't as beautiful as you wanted it to be, but he got 1,000 yards. That's what every goal for a running back is for the season. But I didn't really think, Ben didn't play Terrible, but he didn't play great either. But it was crazy last year, man, to watch the football games and not know what we're going to get out of it. The Bills, they surprised everybody. They've been terrible for a decade. <laughs> and all of a sudden now, they're the top team. And, and I actually like Buffalo because I like, I like Josh Allen. I like what they got going on over there. When you look at this offseason, there's so many things that happened. The AFC became more powerful. The NFC, which has been dominant over the last decade. When we talk about the NFC East, which has been dominant over the years, not because of the Cowboys, by the way, <laughs> but the Giants right, right. in 2007 and 2011 and, and Eli Manning and Tom Coff. Well, the Commanders haven't been really that good. In, but then you go to the Saints with Drew Brees and Tom Brady in Tampa. And then the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. And then you go to Seattle, the way Russell Wilson was there. And San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo. When you see the transition of what's happened this offseason and now the dominance of quarterbacks that have decided to go over to the AFC, what are your thoughts of the dominance from what the NFC was and now the dominance going into this year where it could really transition to the AFC. With the game, it's an ebb and flows. It goes up and down. When you're at the top, you're going to come to the bottom and go back to the top. When you look at the San Francisco's of the world and you look at the Buffalo Bills of the world, San Francisco was really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then they went down. They dipped a couple of years, yep. And then you look at Buffalo, it was really, really bad. And now they're really, really good. Mm-hmm. So when you look at some of these teams, it's about time. I'm not a Dolphin fan, but I cheer for the Dolphins because I'm from Miami. I'm born and raised in Miami. But it's about time for the Miami Dolphins to show us something. We tired of spending this money going to these games. The best thing about it be the tailgate, <laughs> you know, because Miami is just a beautiful city. We got the weather. We got everything going on. But when I was watching last year, man, it was more of a surprise for me. If you was a betting man, this say three years ago, you knew if you was betting with the Patriots when they had Tom Brady going against Green Bay, right. 
you was going with the Patriots. But now, the switch over, you go to Green Bay, when they had Aaron Rodgers, would have Aaron Rodgers and had Devontae Adams, and then they playing against Buffalo now, you like, I don't know. And now it's really worse for Aaron Rodgers, because now Devontae Adams is gone. You got two running backs, but you still got Aaron Rodgers. Y'all got to get a whole new receiving core, which they'll figure that part out. You look at the Buffalo Bills, and you're like, whoa, they're a Super Bowl contender team. You're looking at the Rams. All the money they spent on that team, it's time for them. But do I think they're going back to the Super Bowl again? Mm, I doubt it. When you got a team like that, everybody hungry, but now it's going to be about this. Everybody going to want to get paid. Everybody want to be the highest paid player in their position. Jalen Ramsey, he probably going to come at him. Hey, I want to be the highest paid DB. Aaron Donald, Von Miller's gone. They added Bobby so Wagner. They yeah. did add Bobby Wagner. Yes. So I don't think they fell off too much. I think they're still going to be a playoff contending team. I don't see them going to the Super Bowl again. I really don't. Mm. But it's going to be a couple sleepers out there. Like the Saints, I don't even see them making the playoffs this year because their team is so much up in the air and it's in shambles right now. You're trying to rebuild. Who I think is going to be a sleeper because I did like him when I watched him when he played at Alabama was Matt Jones. I just really think he's a good quarterback. I ain't going to say some people. I'm going to say my best friend, Mr. King Hall. He's a Tua fan. Mm -hmm. He loves Tua. Tua's left-handed, and my boy played quarterback, and he was left-handed. You can't tell us nothing wrong about Tua. I like Matt Jones for as a quarterback, and I want to see him do well. Tennessee is a good football team, but they fell below, and it's like Derrick Henry got hurt. It's like, oh, man. And A.J. Brown went to the Eagles. Look at San Francisco. Debo Samuels, he don't want to be there no more. Debo Samuels knows something that we don't know. Something about Guapolo. Guapolo is a decent quarterback. But it's something about San Francisco with that offense or that team that Debo Samuels know. Why would you want to get up out of there so bad? Y'all have a quarterback. Y'all have two. Y'all got a solid defense. And you trying to leave? And y'all just was in the playoffs? Right. Y'all just in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Yeah. Well, why are you trying to leave so bad? Yeah, up 17-7 to 7 at the end of the third quarter of the NFC Championship <laughs> game. <laughs> right. When stuff like that going on, it's something bigger than what we know. Yeah. They know in the locker room, because I do know when you're in the locker room, maybe stuff going on that we know nothing about. But it's something that he knows that I want to get up out of here. <laughs> Mentioning a lot of the teams you mentioned and the players, player power, we kind of see it in the NBA a lot. Stars want to play with other stars and team up together. But now you're kind of seeing that in the NFL too, where these quarterbacks and now the receivers are kind of yeah, forcing them yeah. themselves out. So do you think this will become a new norm in the NFL? That's a good question because we was just talking about that a couple of months ago. And we saw the same thing. You got the tools, getting the Alabama players. You got your boy from the Eagles. He got his receiver. It seemed like the new norm now of what they're doing. It's mostly happening on offense. It's not happening on defense. Quarterbacks trying to get their receivers. Somebody that they play with, they know. All they got to do is learn the playbook and y'all can go. It's going to be interesting to see. If I see another team do it, then I'm like, yeah, y'all, it's a copycat league as is. If I see another team do that with a star quarterback and they go get a star receiver from a college that they played with or from another team, because you look at the Raiders, Derek Carr played with Devontae Adams. I like Devontae Adams, but I don't think that he's going to do as well with the Raiders. Wow, that's because I think Aaron Rodgers makes everybody around him better. And I think if there's anybody that's going to take $50 million and take his team to the playoffs, it's Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't matter who he's throwing to. We've seen him right. throw to crappy wide receivers year in and year out. For some reason, these guys turn into guys that are getting seven, 800 yards and they go other places. Jordy Nelson, he played for Green Bay all those years. He goes over there to Oakland. He really threw up duds for two or three years. He was done. So hey, vanish. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you have a great quarterback like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and even Josh Allen. He's transitioning into that type of player. Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Tyree Kill went to Miami. We'll see what he does over there with Tua. Because I think the worst quarterback in that division now 
is Tua. Hey, don't let my friend hear you say that. He hear you get mad. It's so funny the way the league is transitioning now to the players are all about the bag now, as you want to call it. It's all about the money. It ain't about the stats no more. It's not about the accolades. It's not about none of that. It's all about who is the highest paid, who's the second highest paid. I get it, though, because the way the league is going and the way the players are being treated and stuff like that, they like, look, if you want to pay me $19, $20 million a year as a receiver, I don't care. We could lose every game. But as long as I get my money, that's kind of like how it's going now. Nobody care about whether we go to the playoffs, whether we go to the Super Bowl, whether I get this endorsement deal or whatever the case may be. It's all about the money. Coming out of college, these guys with the NIL, now guys are getting paid. How hungry is these guys going to be when they get to the NFL when you're already getting paid in college? You're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm good. If I get cut, that's fine. I just made 500000 I'm straight. Don't right. tell Nick Saban. He'll claim that Texas A&M bought the whole team. Oh, God, please. Hey, I was on YouTube the other night for about two hours. I'm sure listening you were. to Nick Saban, listening to Dion, listening to Jimbo Fisher, Jimbo Fisher yep. and I was listening to some of the other reporters was leaving their opinions, which is really good. I have thought that college players should be getting paid for years. If you're making money off of jersey sales, you're making money off my name, and I'm only going to stay in college for two years, and once I'm available to go into the NFL draft, I'm not even going to finish my college education. What did I get out of it? You're making millions and millions of dollars off these ball games, and I'm getting nothing for it. And you're making money off of my name. I thought with the NCAA actually allowing this to happen, should have happened 10 years ago. Players like you that were in college that might be coming from a poor family or a poor side of Michigan, from Florida, where your roots had nothing. You barely could eat three meals a day. And these kids are trying to make their family money, to try to get their families out of that situation that they've been in for 15, 20 years. I think these players should have had the opportunity. These programs over the years, these coaches are getting sued and these coaches are losing their jobs because they were trying to help these players to bring these players to play for their organization and their teams because they were working to try to support their families. Now that you put it that way, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. I never thought about it like that. Makes sense. You got guys that don't even play four years. They just play two years and they come out. But I do think if they're going to do that, I think they should have like a cap on it. When guys make it from college to get to the NFL, they're at the highest level. You want them to stay hungry because, as you can see with this generation, with this era, they not hungry like that no more. Back in the days, you know, me and you the same age, you had guys back in the 90s. I ain't going back to the 60s and 70s. That was just a game. That wasn't even football. I don't know what that was. When you look at the 90s, that was a physical game. You look at now, a guy go out there and jam his finger, he got to sit out for three, four weeks. Guy hurt his shoulder, he got to go in the locker room, he done for the rest of the game. Man, back then, man, shoot that thing up and get on back out there. They keep on going. But it's different. It's all about longevity or you want to keep the stars on the field. You want to keep them healthy, playing at 100%. But I think they should have a cap on it far as what a player can make because i agree with you i feel like they should get some money because some people they living in poverty and some of them living in rich areas right. and you want guys to get paid you want them to have some type of success in college off of my name look what happened with deandre Ayton in arizona him and his family took a hundred thousand dollars there was an investigation the fbi doesn't the fbi have something else better to do than to attack a family that's trying to get themselves out of poverty in the situation that they've been over the 20 years there's so Son goes and plays basketball. Their son obviously has the opportunity to get them out of that. And because a coach gave them $100,000, oh, you know what? The FBI is getting involved. You're getting suspended. You're getting tortured. Everybody's getting tortured.
tortured because I was on the phone trying to negotiate a deal so this kid could actually come to my school and play on my team. I didn't hear about that one. John Miller, sure. 2018, yep. They didn't do this under the table? Uh, What's going on? Who, well, who broadcast Well, they it? did until they, they got caught right the at the FBI, end of the season. What's messed up right now with the FBI, at the time, the FBI was trying to find some kind of story because people are betting on sports. What we saw with the Evander Kane situation, he had a contract with the San Jose Sharks. Sharks. Yeah. In his contract, and it's crazy how this would be in a contract. Out of all the things that could be in a contract, if you bet on sports, you could obviously spend the guy and he could lose the contract that he got. He got suspended from hockey. It took him almost a full season for a team to give him like 500000 or a million dollars to come and play on a team, which Edmonton, and now he's becoming a superstar player again in the playoffs. Betting's becoming legalized. What are they going to do now? What happens when all 50 states, you're going to be able to bet? How about this? The marijuana charges. How many guys have been suspended from the NFL smoking marijuana? Meanwhile, you have coaches popping Vicodins and Percocets and only getting suspended for four games. And whatever the hell Jim Mercy did. Or owners doing the same thing. <laughs> but the players, because they're smoking marijuana and he's been caught five times, he's suspended for two years. To hold something away from the league and what the league has brought. These players are beating up their bodies. They're putting their bodies at risk just to Even live make, out their make dream. Make the money they and want. And make these owners millions and millions and billions of dollars. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. fans to have something to cheer for. And these guys not going to be able to walk after 10 years. Mm-hmm. They're going right. to have brain trauma for the rest of their lives. We've talked to so many ex-NFL oh, yeah. players that have CTE problems. And by the way, the NFL didn't protect them on that either. Gave them $100 right. million, dollars, which Roger Goodell could go sit on it. I'm not a fan of Roger Goodell. Yeah, no, nobody should be because of what he yeah. has done to the league and what he has done to some of these players is despicable. I would never work for the NFL. I would never be an analyst for the NFL because of who Roger Goodell is and what Roger Goodell has done to different players. Even some of these coaches that are trying to protect their players can't really say anything because they're under the emblem of the NFL. They're under their team emblem. Look what happened with racism when it comes to African-American coaches that happened Mm -hmm. just this year. It's despicable and everybody tries to brush it under the rug. Nobody's talking about it anymore, even though it's still going on. So I think with college players, with all these different rules and setting rules, there has to be something that is put in the books where it makes sense. But there should be no reason why these players shouldn't be making money. It doesn't matter how old you are. Now you have high school players negotiating deals before they're even seniors before wow. they go and play college ball. So they already wow. know that they're going to have sneaker deals worth about 4 or $5 million before they even step on a college field. That's unheard of. It don't make no sense. No. But if you got a guy that young trying to control that kind of money, that's where we go wrong at. Mm. Look at some of these rappers, these young rappers. Mm-hmm. They get this money, they eat 20, 21, and when you look at them on social media, they got the pants sag and they got about 40 rings on, got about 5, 10, 15 chains on. They buying all these cars and you like, what are you doing? But they're young. They don't know no better. They know what they see on social media. They watching some of the other celebrities. If you watching the P. Diddy's and the Drake's and all of them, they're not doing that. They like, they living life. Mm-hmm. When you look at some of these young kids that's 21, 22, they're like, oh, I got this money. I'm finna go buy this Lambo. I'm finna go get this chain. I'm finna hold, get this choker. Hold on Bring about Drake. He just spent $500,000 on baseball cards and he's opening up the boxes. I know. His defense, they gotta spend that money somewhere because the man gonna take it anyway. When they be doing stuff like that, be tax write-offs. Uncle Sam gonna say like, okay, you know what? If I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it back anyway, but let me spend this money. But with everything going on right now, you got high school players that's trying to make money, college players trying to make money, they get to the NFL, 
I just want them to stay hungry because they're going to get paid regardless. All they got to do is be consistent and keep working. With everything going on, I don't care how much y'all getting paid. Just show us some good football on Sundays and Saturdays. College football on Saturdays, NFL on Sunday. Just give us some good football. I don't care if you're making 200000 I don't care if you're making $10 million. Just give us some good football. Any teammate stories, you know, Detroit or Pittsburgh or even in one of your CFL teams that stood out to you? There's a funny little story right here because... I can talk about knocking his over. I was in Detroit. Willie Young was my roommate on the road. I was in the room. Willie used to come in and he'd be like, hey, I'm leaving. I'd be like, all right. So when he leave, he would take the bed and make it up as he was laying in it. And the pillows that'd be on the chair be brown. So he would take the pillow and put it at the tip of the front of the head of the bed and he'd lean it up a little bit and it's brown. So when the coach look in, it'd look like I'm laying in my bed like he laying in his bed. <laughs> And Willie Young, he was tall. He had to spread it out. So one time, he didn't come to the room. He was like, Step, I'm not coming to the room, so I need you to do my bed. I was like, all right. And it's almost curfew. So I'm laying down, and I was like, dude, you got like five minutes. So I run to the bed. I got to ruffle it up real quick, lift the sheets all up, stick pillows all under the bed so it look like somebody laying there. And then I take the pillow, stick it at the top of the bed, and it looked like his head was right there. So coach would look in and be like, hey, and I was like, hey, he just closed the door. And I said, dude, you going to get us in trouble doing that. That was his little thing. That was a funny little thing he used to do. That was pretty good. We used to have the bed all made up. So when he wasn't even there, I already had a bed made up anyway. Before he even come to the room, I got it made up. I was like, dude, you ain't got to come to the room. It's already made up. Are you good? Oh, you're not one of those troublemakers, Stefan? Nah, I kept my nose clean when I was playing. Mine was a little different. I wasn't under contract. I was every year. I'm fighting for a job every year, so I always try to keep my nose clean when I was in there. I got you. We are talking to <laughs> former NFL, CFL wide receiver and kick returner, Stefan Logan. We really appreciate you giving us the time. I appreciate you having me on. I know it was a little hard to get on. It's been so hard this past month and a half battling with my wife. I give you more credit than you even know. I could only imagine what you're going through and tell her that our heart goes out to her and to keep fighting. And God has a plan for everybody. I always yes. believe it. My heart goes out to you, your family, your wife. Tell her to keep fighting. That's all you could do. And she knows she has something to fight for knowing that she has yep. a man that is 100% behind her. I give you 100% credit, Stefan. Thank you um, very much. To finish up, what were your thoughts in this year's draft? You saw what the Jets did in the first round, getting the three first round draft picks that they did with Johnson and Sauce Gardner, which everybody says that he could be a game-changing type of corner. What I've heard so far in OTAs, he's stopping everybody. Not even Corey Davis, who's a veteran, can actually catch the ball during practices right now. And then Garrett Wilson. What really stood out to you in this year's draft? You were drafted. You've been there before. What is it like to do that whole combine thing and then step on that stage and hold that jersey proud and having your name called? Well, those guys, them first-round picks, so I didn't get that far. I wish I did. <laughs> Standing up there with that jersey knowing I'm going to go to this team on a first-round pick. I know I'm going to get about between 18 to 20-something million dollars without even stepping on this field. That's got to be the best feeling in the world. <laughs> but I only watched the first day. I only watched the first-round first picks. Round, yeah. And I know they was going back and forth with some of these draft picks. I was really waiting to see where the D lineman for Georgia, Jordan Davis, that dude was a beast. I only watched it to see where he was going. Right. Him and the DN for Michigan and what he went to Detroit. Hutchinson, I think yes. he stayed home. The receiver for Alabama, Williams, he had got hurt. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know what was going to happen with him. Detroit traded up for him. Very oh. active, your Lions. Yes. I was just kind of like wanting to see where certain players was going to go, where it was going to land. I was just kind of like just watching. I wasn't really focused like that besides on those two guys. I wanted to see where they was going to go because I just thought they were some real standout guys besides that receiver and that quarterback 
coming back from Pitt that went to Pittsburgh. There was a couple of guys By I the was interested in watching. I was one of very few people that predicted him to go to Pittsburgh. So. I knew when I started watching the Combine and they started projecting what guys were going to go, I always look at the style of player you have for, just say, 10 years. Mm-hmm. You go and try to implement that same player. You, you try to find that same guy. He's just like Ben. He broke all the damn Marino records at Pitt. 200 and some pounds, got a big arm, strong, tall, can see over the offensive line. That's just like Ben. So you want to bring in the same style of quarterback that you used to instead of trying to go and get Willis. Mm-hmm. He's not your Pittsburgh fit. He's more of a Seattle Seahawks fit because mm-hmm. you had Russell Wilson that was a little bit shorter. He's mobile, but he's looking to pass instead of run. But he was like that. But when I watched some of his stats and watched, he threw a lot of interceptions in big games. Right. That was kind of like a downfall with him. Like, dude, you, you good. But he, in the big games, he threw a lot of picks. But that's stuff that you can fix. That first day, I was just kind of, like I said, I was just kind of looking just to see what guys were going. So I know what teams I need to look for, what teams was making some good moves, what teams I felt like, why would you get him? Y'all don't need that. Why would you get that? That's kind of like how I was with the draft. You know, I'm not really a, a big draft guy. I don't really care for it too much right. because I always feel like I got to see what you're going to do. In the big stage now, I ain't gonna say when the lights on, cause some of y'all playing at these universities that y'all got more fans of the games than NFL teams. Right. So now, what you're in the big stage at the top of your career playing at the NFL level, now let's see what you're going to do. Because some people, you got some of them diamond in the rough that go sixth and seventh round, and you got to do it in one second or third round. He's not as good, but he got passed over because of school size issues, stuff like that. So I kind of wait till the season starts. The draft, I don't really pay too much attention about. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. I really appreciate everything. We're behind you and your wife. Keep doing what you're doing, man, because there are very few good people in this world. When you love somebody and you care about somebody, you support them to the end, and I, I really to respect that. Yep. Wish your end. wife all the best, man. I thank you very much, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. Man, y'all have a good night. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media, man. If y'all want to find me, of course, y'all can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram. It's Logan underscore zero. Facebook is just Logan. On my Instagram now, I don't really have a whole lot of football clips on there now. I'm on, mine's all about fitness. So I, I cycle in fitness. I'm in the gym. I always say fitness is kind of like the key to keeping things right so once my wife get 100% she gonna be back in the gym with me we gonna start small I don't do Twitter so I don't even worry about that but Instagram Stephon Logan underscore zero and on Facebook it's just Stephon Logan you can find me you would know it's me trust me because I'm always making videos if you see me on a bicycle that's my page you know what you so, gotta do you gotta go hang out with Eric Coleman <laughs> you know what me and him was supposed to work out you know we played together in Detroit we'll talk through text messages and we'll talk on Instagram and stuff like that and we were supposed to link up and work out and all that other stuff he has a house down here that's not far from me. Matter of fact, I need to reach out to him and we'll link up, man, and put a little video together. You know, that'd sure, be cool. Dude. He's doing big things over here. He was about our show. We did a show together with him. After that, he now has his own show, betting show on MSG. His little smile and his profiling. I mean, that guy. He's yeah. a funny SOB, let me tell you. Yeah, he is funny. He's funny. Definitely. But he doesn't know anything about basketball, so you could tell him I said that. Oh, I'm going to ask him who's in the playoffs right now. Let me see if he know anything. <laughs> well, he's the one who said that he thought James Harden a better player than Allen Iverson. I thought he was on drugs. I couldn't say no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. You'll have to sway him. Maybe you're the only hope. Yeah. <laughs>
Absolutely not. Anyways, thank you, Stefan. Hey, man, y'all have a good night, man. I appreciate you having me on. Stefan Logan, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic personality, Speedy. Great, great guy. Fantastic stories that he told us. And what he is as a, a husband taking care of his wife, walked away from coaching and football. It's a sensational story. Very nice guy. Yes, and absolutely wishing his wife all the best absolutely. as well. Everything health-wise. And hope she can get better soon. Absolutely. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, Speedy. We got crunch time. Here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine of the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We have a great, great lineup of shows throughout the week. Sports Live Mouths, it's great, sensational. You like to laugh, you like sports, you like everything when it comes to sports media. And you're driving home, you want to hang out with your kids, well, listen to us at 9 p.m., the Sports Lamouts, the crazy show for sports fans. So check it out. Before we get into crunch time, I will say this. This hard knock show, especially Arizona, I didn't get a chance to watch Indianapolis and, and watch the full season right. of the Indianapolis Colts last year and Carson Wentz. There was a lot of stuff going on in the locker room and things going on off air with the Colts because Carson Wentz is now playing for the Commanders. Who would have thought that? But this whole Kyler Murray thing and trading for Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, his best friend, to an Arizona team that's very talented, one of the best teams in the league last year. Kyler Murray fell short in the first round against the soon-to-be champion L.A. Rams. To me, Kyler Murray took a lot of beef and a lot of crap from the fans. He stopped following Arizona during the offseason. Now, all of a sudden, he wants $40, $45 million. He wants to be one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL as well as he should be. This is going to be fun. The Zavin Collins. Zavin Collins of the world <laughs> and the craziness. I think this is going to be a fun, fun year for our Knox. Detroit will be the preseason. Oh, Dan be- Campbell. That's going to be quite a personality for that one. And then we'll get to see Arizona and Kingsbury and Kyler Murray for the regular season. That'll well, be fun. Oh, well, yeah. If Kingsbury lasts after this year. <laughs> I, I think he will. He's got Kyler Murray, so... Yeah, well, yeah, he should, but then again, he's also had his second half woes. Are we ready, Speedy? Yes, we are. It is time for Crunch Time. It's time for Crunch Time. All right, we'll start with the Rangers-Hurricanes series. Buy or sell? Every home team will win in the series. So Rangers win game six, Hurricanes win game seven. That will happen. I'm going to sell it. I think the Hurricanes win game six. And the Rangers, I think it'll be very close. It'll go to overtime, and the Rangers will be surprised in the first overtime very early, and the Rangers get eliminated in game number six. They win their first away game. Yeah, I'm going to sell it, too. I have the exact same thinking. I I, I thought the Hurricanes were actually going to win game four to break the pattern, and the Rangers ended up winning that, but the Hurricanes looking a lot better in game five, and I think their defense has played a lot better, too. Just an all-around complete game. I do think they'll win in game six as well, as much as I don't want them to as a Ranger fan. I BV, think that'll happen. BV. 
Oh, it's the Waffle-wee! The Waffle-wee! <laughs> All right, buy or sell. Araldis Chapman will not last the whole season as the closer for the Yankees. Absolutely going to buy that. It seems like that it's starting to move that way. 94-mile-per-hour fastball. That's not going to cut it in pinstripes. I think Jonathan Lewis goes the future closer for the New York Yankees. Yeah, I'm going to buy it, too. I don't think it's going to be one set guy. I think it's just going to be a buy a committee. I think we've seen the versatility that this bullpen has. Don't be surprised if they use some of the younger pitchers in that kind of role, try to experiment with them as close be future closers, be future big game pitchers to prep them for the postseason. So I'm going to buy it as well. All right, buy or sell. The Nets will lose at least one of KD or Kyrie Irving. I'm going to buy it. I think KD is going to opt out. And it's not going to be good because of Kyrie Irving. I just think he doesn't want to be there. He's not getting along with the management. And anytime you see Kevin Durant not get along with people, he usually is on his way out. So I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it too. I think Kevin Durant's going to be the one that ends up going out. The Kyrie Irving, I don't know how much value he's going to spawn between all the tweets. Now he wants all this big contract. Kevin Durant will still get that. He had a great first two months of the season before he got that. He'll go home to Washington. That would be something. I, I was actually thinking that when he first left OKC as a possibility, I actually thought he was going to the Celtics, but that was one of the things that, even though he said he didn't want to play at home, I still wouldn't have ruled out. So I'm going to buy it as well. All right, we're going to go with one college football one. Back to the Jimbo Nick Saban feud. Texas A&M will beat Alabama head-to-head in one of their matchups the next two years. Alabama's home this year and then A&M home next year. I'm going to buy it. I-, I think Texas A&M is going to have a very good recruiting class. they got a lot of money and they're putting a lot of money in their pockets, so I'm going to buy it. I'm going to sell it. I feel like this is one of those storylines that Texas A&M and all the pressures on them because of the Jimbo saga. Nick Saban's already proved himself, so I feel like Alabama's going to win both of them. I am going to sell Damn it. Damn you, Speedy. Odell Beckham will join the Saints to play with his partner, Jarvis Landry. No. I'm going to sell that. I think he has a better chance of going to Green Bay. Green Bay's looking for a wide receiver. I think he's a veteran guy. He fits everything that a guy like Rodgers likes, so I am going to sell that. I'm going to sell it, too. I think there's going to be a lot more receiver-needy Too many wide teams. receivers with the Saints. Yeah, I think there's enough receiver-needy teams I think that'll give him more money at this point. Plus, I don't know if the Saints are going to want to take that chance where he's not going to be able to play till the end of the year, so I am going to sell it as well. All right, buy or sell. The Lightning will go back to the Stanley Cup no matter who, if they play the Rangers or the Hurricanes. It seems like I'm going to buy it. I mean, Vasilovsky's been fantastic. They're getting goal scoring without even Braden Point. Braden Point will be back. That team is just going to be prolifically offensively sound, so I'm going to buy it. I think the Hurricanes is a tough one. The Rangers, I think they'll definitely beat the Rangers no problem if that ends up being the matchup. The Hurricanes, I have to see how they play, so just for now, just because of the unknown, I am going to sell it. All right, buy or sell. Jacob deGrom will opt out of his contract at the end of the year with the Mets. Buy it! Uh, He wants a lot of money, and he thinks he's Max Scherzer money hungry, so I think he's going to get it. I don't know if it's going to be with the Mets. I could see Jacob DeGrom gone and it's going to be Max Scherzer's team moving forward, so I am going to buy it. I am going to buy it, too. I think when you look at he wants to get the starting pitching money, the Mets already spent a lot, too, and now they have the trust in the other starting pitchers to make it work. I do think they're going to have a tough time. I think the front office, them and Jacob DeGrom haven't been getting along, so I think there's something else hidden we don't know about, so I will buy it as well. All right, one more. Either the Vegas Golden Knights or the Winnipeg Jets will hire Barry Trotz as their next head coach. I'm going to buy it. I think one of them are going to. I think he's going to get a job. Barry Trotz is one of the best, more underrated coaches in the NHL. I think he deserves it. So, yeah, I do believe it's going to happen. So, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it, too. It fits the personnel of what Winnipeg likes, for sure. That When they were at their best, they were always a physical team. Great defensively. And also, their forwards, very physical as well. So, Barry Trotz fits that mold. And Vegas, I think they'll be the team that they love the flashy hires. They will give him the money to make that kind of thing work. Barry Trotz is going to want a lot of money in probably his last coaching contract. So, I think Vegas could give that to him. And he could coach those stars over there. Or what should be stars in Vegas that were all hurt at the end of the season. So, I am absolutely buying that. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for our show. Thank you to Stefan Logan for joining us, ex-NFL player, wide receiver from the CFL. Shout out to his wife. Hopefully she gets better. Shout out to all the families that lost their children in that Texas massacre, mm-hmm. unbelievable massacre. 18 kids murdered, two teachers murdered. It's it's sad. It's disgusting. Definitely the government needs to figure this out because this has got to stop. It's horrible what's going on in the world right now. Innocent kids, kindergarten, young kids. Kids getting murdered for no damn reason. It doesn't make any sense. Shout out to our Moneyline Mania team. Thank you, Chaz and his boys, for joining us. We won't be back next week. We won't be on vacation. Speedy going to Maine. I'm going to Florida, bringing my girlfriend's sister. She's moving down there, but we'll be back the week after. So we're very excited to be back with new guests and new content. So definitely stay tuned. As everybody knows, we will say sayonara and we'll see you soon. Good night, everybody.